Hello and welcome to this week's Why Football podcast with me, Michael Dryden, and Eches Adokru. Are you Eches? Nervous. Um, Very nervous, why? Yeah, fancy football this week. Um, I took out Son last week. Uh, he obviously bagged four goals, as everyone's aware of. And this week, I've had the tough decision, as we spoke about earlier, whether I should bring Son back in for Fernandez or bank on KDB tearing up Leicester. I've opted for Fernandez to come back well against Brighton and for KDB to tear up Leicester, but I am nervous. I am very nervous. Fernandez is too much money for me, too too expensive for for what he is. I mean, this, the numbers he put in in lockdown or after after the restart last year or this year were, were fantastic, but ten point five million is quite expensive. You think you think it's too expensive? I think it's too expensive. Um, we'll agree to disagree. But yeah, also uh, moving today, um, leaving my lovely flat here to move to a new flat. In case mm. anyone's wondering, ordered a zip van, which I'm very excited for. Yeah, I did that as well. It's very cheap. I can imagine you being pretty, pretty poor behind the wheel, to be honest. Oh God, it was shaky. I must have travelled about three miles, and I must. Have... <laughs> I was shaking the whole way. <laughs> um, yeah, aside from that, it wasn't for that. Uh, yesterday, I have to apologise as well to my pro club's teammates. Uh, they normally listen in. I got a straight what? red. I got a straight red card at nil nil, and we lost the game. <laughs> we lost the game. I, I don't know what the score was because I turned my PlayStation off. In anger. Oh, you're that guy. Yeah, but we did, we did lose. Quinn. Yeah, we, we did lose. I have to apologise uh, to them. And also as well, you know, like I quite like facts. Um, recently, um, what's been happening is my facts have been really incorrect. Um, I've dropped a few clangers. So that's been quite tough to... Examples? Examples. Um, oh, what, what did I say the other day? Oh, I said, uh, <laughs> I said Arsenal are the most followed club on Twitter. And that was just completely wrong. <laughs> like it's absolutely like you said it was the most followed club in the Premier League. I believed it. I said it to someone else, and they were like, "Nah." <laughs> it's like completely wrong. Liverpool, United, surely. Yeah. So yeah, I've got a lot of um, soul searches to do on that one. But anyway, how are you doing, Dryden? Yeah, I'm. I'm very good. I'm braced from the lockdown, which hopefully will not happen. And if it does, it will dampen my spirits. I've camped Captain Son against Newcastle this week um i've had him from the start so i didn't do the old um switch to fernandez that i kind of was considering um before like one of my drafts um i have got kdb in my team but yeah the captaincy will go to sun um although newcastle did beat them at white hart lane last season so it's a bit of a gamble but after scoring four times you know you can't argue with those numbers um sunland are actually also unbeaten in league one just thought i'd bring that i thought i'd mention that um although that could change by the time this episode goes out on Monday because <laughs> we have got a game tomorrow against Peterborough and we are I'm not sure we're, we're a title win outfit yet, but we'll see. We'll see. You support Sunderland? I do support I didn't Sunderland. I know that. Yeah. Oh. Huge oh. outfit. This week, Eches will be telling us all about Lev Yashin, his footballing career, how he changed the game and his legacy. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore for our latest content. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast for immediate access to future episodes. So, Eches, why did you pick this topic? Yeah, so after successful seasons, you know, many of the world's best players win multiple accolades, either individually or collectively with their respective sides. You know, if it's Ronaldo, it's normally a Ballon d'Or. In a Champions League, if it's Messi, it's a La Liga title the Ballon d'Or as well, aside from the Pinchy Trophy, or if it's in England, the Golden Boot. So when we think, talk about the Ballon d'Or specifically, mm. some of the best players in the world have won it, you know, 
Ronaldo, the original R9, Messi, the Ronaldo we know now, Cannavaro, Nedved, Bobby Charlton, Michel Platini, some of the world's greatest and most established names. The first award yep. was given to England and Blackpool great Stanley Matthews back in 1956. Since then, only two defenders have won the award, Franz Beckenbauer twice, legend, and Fabio Cannavaro after Italy's heroics at the 2006 World Cup. People like Dino Zoff for Italy, Oliver Kahn and Manuel Neuer have all featured near the summit of the Ballon d'Or voting system. But only one man has won it. And that man is Lev Yashin. Mm. To those of you who are scratching their heads being like, who's Lev Yashin? You will soon find out. He is said to have revolutionized goalkeeping in football. Yeah, I can't say prior to you raising this topic that I'd actually heard of him. And I don't think many people would have heard of him. Obviously, he was around quite a long time ago. And nor was I aware that the Ballon d'Or had only been won by one goalkeeper. I mean, I'm not overly surprised, given the way that you know attacking players are romanticized in any sport. And how voting has been in the last 20 years or so. Obviously, we've seen um, Ronaldo and Messi pick up a number of those awards. Um, it was even surprising to see Modric win it. Not because he isn't a brilliant player, because he is, as we all know, an excellent central midfield player. Um, it's just the fact that he's not a forward, not a wide player or a striker. So that was even surprising from that point of view. Um, and I wonder who in the post-Messi and Ronaldo world, when we get there, because Ronaldo's not <laughs> Ronaldo might play until he's 60, but... Um, I wonder who will be collecting those awards. Will we see some defenders coming in, some goalkeepers? Will Grigg, maybe? Will Grigg, I can confirm to the podcast, is not on fire. And I've not been one. A lot of fans have been on his back. I want to give some time because he's got a proven record at League One. Watched him in the first game against, uh, we were home to Bristol Rovers. We, we play a very, we play a 3-4-1-2 or 3-4-2-1. Grigg needs to be more energetic. He's not. So he got taken out, but he was replaced by Danny Graham. And you know, things are going pretty poor when you get replaced by a 35-year-old Danny Graham, um, who didn't do loads as well. So if anyone wants to find out more about Sullen's uh, League One uh, season, just drop me a DM or something. We can have a conversation. <laughs> so moving on, Etches, tell me a bit more about Lev Yashin. So Le- Lev, God, I couldn't get that word out there. Lev Ivanovich Yashin, aka the Black Spider was born back in Moscow in 1929. He was born into a family of factory workers and due to World War II, he was drafted at the age of 12 to work in a factory. Can you imagine working in a factory at wow. 12? Yeah, I was just playing FIFA pretty poorly. I uh, had spots, braces. I wouldn't have been very good behind a, behind a conveyor belt. That's for thanks sure. For sh- thanks for sharing that, Jordan. <laughs> um, playing for the factory youth team, he was eventually picked up by Dynamo Moscow. The only reason he was playing football at the time was because the factory didn't have an ice hockey team. Whilst at Dynamo, Lev played for both the hockey and football team before settling into the latter after breaking into the first team for football. On the hockey side, though, he was actually quite accomplished, winning the USSR Ice Hockey Cup in 1953 and was third in the USSR Ice Hockey Championship as the goalkeeper. He actually had his whole career at Dynamo Moscow, playing over 100 times for the club. He was noted for his nerves of steel during his playing days, and Lev claimed that his secret was a cigarette to calm his nerves and a shot of vodka to tone his muscles before a game, which I might, which I might try. I may as well try it and see what happens. Um, <laughs> On the topic of factories, uh, going completely off subject, Mike Riley used to work in a chicken factory. Cheers. Just thought I'd throw <laughs> that one in there. Uh, <laughs> and on a more relevant but equally bizarre topic, 
Jamie Vardy actually confessed to drinking a port of a Lucasaid bottle the night before a game and that he drinks three Red Bulls on game day before the game. So he really is charged <laughs> up before he gets on the pitch. So what about his international career, Chess? Yeah, the international stage is where Yashin made his name. He represented the USSR at three World Cups, winning 74 caps for his country, collecting a European Championship win in 1960. All the way back in 1958 was where he made his mark. It was actually the first World Cup to be internationally broadcast. Oh, wow. And the Soviet Union headed into the tournament facing England, Austria, and eventual champions, Brazil, who featured a young 17-year-old boy by the name of Pele in the round-robin stage. They ended up reaching the quarterfinals before losing to host Sweden 2-0. But that didn't stop Yashin's skill set from going unnoticed. He was voted the tournament's best goalkeeper and was credited with making some spectacular saves in the group stage loss to Brazil and was seen from that moment on as the world's best keeper. Uh, Yashin actually collected a league title with Dynamo Moscow in 1959 before winning the Maiden, Maiden European Championship in 1960. The format then actually, um, I'm laughing because it's just so random. The format then was very different to how it is now. So in Euro 2020, we're set to have 24 sides competing for glory. Whereas in 1960, well, it's, it's still called the Euro 2020. It's not 2021. Sure, they changed no, the name. They're not changing the number. They said this Euro 2020, but next year. Fair enough. Um, oh, fair enough. Uh, feel free for anyone to at me on Twitter if you disagree. Um, my, DMs are, <laughs> my DMs are open. Um, <laughs> but back to the Euro in 1960, that version had four teams. I just how can you have, how can you have four teams? Uh, the lucky four teams in the tournament, yeah, four teams in the whole tournament, and the lucky four were the Soviet Union, France, Czechoslovakia, and Yugoslavia. Yeah, I feel as if England should have entered because that would have been a very very good opportunity to bolster the old trophy cabinet, which at that point was incredibly bare, yeah, <laughs> um, and still is fairly bare. Yeah, sadly, uh, the Soviet Union beat Yugoslavia two one after extra time. Within the final, Yashin was named keeper of the tournament again. The success meant that Yashin was nominated for the Ballon d'Or in both 1960 and 1961, coming fifth and fourth. So, you know, he was very well known around the world and was seen as elite. Mm. With his stock incredibly high, uh, Yashin entered the 1962 tournament again as the world's best keeper, but made some uncharacteristic errors as well as getting concussed twice during two separate games and then continued both of them. Can you imagine? Just clean, knocked out, get back up. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go. Um, so yeah, that happened to him during the game. And uh, it, he was kind of seen as quite human. I think before he had this aura of being invincible, uh, but his mistakes during that tournament um, didn't reflect too well on him. The Soviets again exited at the quarterfinal stage. If he's concussed, bring on another shot of vodka, I'd say, and the magic sponge. Magic sponge. Yeah, the magic sponge probably did wonders for him. Um, he bounced back strongly in 1963 to eventually win the Ballon d'Or with his famous nickname, the Black Spider, being created due to him wearing all black from head to toe. It's actually very dark blue, but with black and white TVs, it looked black. Fun fact for all of you, which I'm sure is actually correct this time, not incorrect. Um, yeah, for some reason, I've never seen a picture of Yevlashin, uh, Lev Yashin. I can only seem to picture Julian Speroni in my head just because he wore pretty much a black tracksuit. <laughs> but it's 15 years of Palace, actually. I looked on Wikipedia before the podcast. He spent some time there. Um, 
So, Etches, a question for you. Would you be a tracksuit goalkeeper or would you be wearing shorts? And would you be wearing long sleeve or short sleeve like your good man, Bern Leno? Uh, long sleeve and shorts. You can't be wearing tra- trackies anymore, can you? No, and also as well, I'll probably wear a cap every single game. Yeah, you've got to wear a cap, like your heart. <laughs> Pinkford likes a cap as well. And Petr Cech obviously got his helmet on, which on FIFA is too funny. I saw a photo of Cech actually, I think it was yesterday, he was talking to um, Eduard Mendy. Yeah. Um, not wearing the helmet and just didn't recognise him. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I haven't seen him without it in about 20 years. Moving back to uh, Speroni, actually a restaurant in Purley uh, called Speroni's Shock. And uh, it was good food. What, he owns it? Yeah, it's not there anymore. It's there for a bit. But yeah, it's decent food. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> Moving back to uh, Lev Yashin. Pele stated that someone once said that a team with Pele started a game with a 1-0 lead. However, a team with Yashin started the 2-0 lead to highlight how powerful mm. and how powerful his presence was between the sticks. Yashin finished his international career in 1970 with 74 caps behind him and retired from Moscow the following year. After his retirement, Yashin spent two decades at Dynamo Moscow in multiple administrative roles. So what was Yashin's legacy? Yeah, so Lev Yashin was said to have revolutionised the role of the goalkeeper. You know, before Yashin's time, keepers stayed on the line for the majority of the 90 minutes. Lev changed that mm. completely by coming for crosses, coming for corners. He's regularly came out of his box to avert danger and was often referred to as the world's first sweeper keeper. So for the likes mm. of Manuel Neuer, Bern Leno, Stegen and a few others, he was the... Bern Leno. Yeah, Bern Leno, the world's best keeper now. Um, he was seen as the pioneer of that. He wasn't the tallest keeper around, but was said to be brilliant with his reflexes, his throwing and positioning. This, he saved over 150 penalties for club and country. I'm just going to stop for a second. Pretty crazy. 150 penalties. Well, I wonder if you could save a, a famous Graham Alexander outside of the boot rocket that we've discussed on earlier early podcasts. Where what you said was originally wrong. Sure <laughs> that's not wrong he, he used to take it with the outside of his boot he used to smash it down the middle a like Lampard but a bit more a bit more panache would he have saved it who else has scored quite a lot of penalties Letizia only missed one but he, Letizia is one of them one of them again where his highlight reel is amazing but I'd love to see or love to hear from a Southampton fan like that. if there's any Southampton fans listening who were there during his heyday can you please get in touch and let me know if he was actually any good thank no you <laughs> um, so yeah <clears throat> He saved over 150 penalties for club and country and famously stated, the joy of seeing Yuri Gagarin flying in space is only superseded by the joy of saving a good penalty. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain Yuri Gagarin is the first uh, Russian to be put in space along with others. And uh, obviously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, saving a penalty is the only thing that betters that, which is good to know from Lev. Cheers, Lev. <laughs> uh, Yashin was voted the best keeper of the 20th century, beating the likes of Gordon Banks, Peter Shilton, Dino Zoff, Iker Casillas, and Oliver Kahn. Uh, there is now the Yashin Trophy, which is a new trophy specially, specifically for the best keeper in the world. Uh, the current holder and the only winner is Alison, who started like last year. Congrats, Alison, on that award. Yeah, I've got Iker Casillas as well. I'm, I'm glad to see he's on that list because he just seemed to be, I mean, he was such a mainstay at Real Madrid, such a legend of the game, and then just seemed to be cast away and then end up at Porto. I don't know about his time at Porto. I don't know how well he, he did then. Yeah, I think he's retired now, but you know, it's good to see him amongst the, uh, the plaudits. Um, 
Can we also take for granted like how much the uh, football has changed over time? Like how much has evolved from the game that was in the early, say, twentieth century that is that what it is now, and the role of the goalkeeper has possibly changed more than any other position. So even up to ninety two, there was no back pass rule, for example, which now is a fundamental part of the game. You mentioned a sweep of keeper. Um, but the way in which a lot of these sides, a lot of Premier League sides are playing football, a lot of teams across the world is involving their goalkeeper from very much from starting their attacks, um, which you could have done back in the day with a throw, but it's very much, as you say, customary to stay in your line or stay deep in your box in case the uh, possession was retained. So yeah, I mean, look at the likes of Edison, Neuer, Pickford, Bernd Leno, of course, wouldn't want to miss him. Um, they've become so much more than what possibly the, the keeper role used to be. Yeah, well, um, you saw that goal that, was it Che Adams scored against City where Edison was literally maybe 25, 30 yards from his box because Guardiola sees him as an outfield player. You know, these guys aren't seen as just goalkeepers anymore in modern football with some of the best managers. They're seen as that additional player. And I think what happened is Zinchenko got caught after Edison passed to him. Uh, Che Adams got it, but Edison was literally... 30 yards off his line so got lobbed and uh, Southampton scored but there are loads of positives to that you know the passing ranges of these keepers and the ability that they have to pick a ball uh, out makes them an incredibly useful asset to have I mean we've seen Neuer do it every game it seems where he's rushing out playing a few passes um, Edison as well Alisson to a certain degree I remember that Cruyff turn that went really wrong against was it Leicester in like, <laughs> one of his early games last season but it shows the confidence that these guys have at their feet now and how their managers encourage them to be quite forward-facing with the ball rather than just punting it aimlessly wide. Yeah, it gets a lot of stick now, but I feel like one of the first um, goalkeepers to do that in the Premier League was actually um, Dav Zahir. When he came in, everyone was kind of amazed at how well how good he was with his feet and how he could distribute that to the wing-backs either along the, along the ground or he could do so in the air, airily, which seems to be a, a theme as well, where particularly with a high press, if you can get a keeper who can clip that into certain areas, particularly out wide, beat that first line of the, the high block, then it's actually quite beneficial. And we've seen Edison do that quite a lot. Obviously, certainly Edison do that quite a lot. Seen Bern Leto do it quite a lot as well. I think he missed him off the list. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good keeper. Good, good, good goalkeeper. I do not like, still like the short sleeves. Just come on. I oh, do you not. Know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet him after this, so don't worry about it. So, well, building on that, do we overlook keepers? for such awards yeah, the think, biggest awards you know certainly. the keepers you just mentioned and if you look back through history so Fergie's treble winners in 99 you know City is 100 point champions the Bayern Munich side that recently won the Champions League have all had brilliant keepers in Schmeichel Edison and Manuel Neuer but these guys rarely get discussed uh, for the top honours during these huge successful runs I mean I believe City's 100-point champions, the player of the season was Van Dijk, I think. Um, the City player didn't win it. I'm not 100% sure on that. Can't remember who won the <clears throat> best player in 99. It might have been Ginola, actually. I'm not too sure on that. But the point is, is that these keepers are rarely discussed for the top honours. You know, uh, these guys are integral for their sides. They've made exceptional contributions throughout the season, with the exception of Manuel Neuer, who has come quite high in um, Ballon d'Or voting that others are rarely spoken about. If you cast the net a bit wider from the last 20, 30 years, you know, apart from Buffon, who I think was ranked quite highly in 2006, and Oliver Kahn, many of the goalkeeping greats in football are rarely ever mentioned. People like Gassias, Czech, 
Gordon Banks, maybe even Dida for Milan are very rarely in the top two, three, four, five mm. in the Ballon d'Or voting. Naturally, the game will always be remembered, uh, will always remember, sorry, the great goal scorers and midfield maestros. Mm. But more, I think, should be done for the goalkeepers to get a fair say. You know, everyone's going to remember Henri scoring 30 goals, 20 assists. You know, they're going to remember Jamie Vardy's fantastic season last year, Luis Suarez. But, you know, the guys behind other teams, uh, I think the light needs to be shone a bit more on them. Yeah, and building on the City and Liverpool uh, references, I think both have great sides, but what has taken them to the next level is the fact that they've got their goalkeepers right. So Pep didn't favour Hart when he came here and he got, he got basically um, dropped entirely. Brought in Claudio Bravo, seen as a kind of in perhaps an interim, but wasn't up to the scratch. Eventually brought in Edison, who has been very good. Same at Liverpool. When Klopp came in, I believe it was Mignolet at the sticks. Still played quite a lot under Klopp, but then Carrius was brought through. We also happened with Carrius, and my heart goes out to uh, Loris Carrius for what happened in the Champions League final. Um, I believe Klopp tried to stick with him afterwards. He played in pre season the following season, but. It just didn't work out. Now they have Allison, And also Van Dijk came in at the same time. But now they have Allison. Suddenly they've won Champions League, the Premier League. You know, there's, there's, it's such a key position. I saw Gary Neville talk about on Sky, Sky Sports um, in relation to, I believe it was Kepe, who I also feel, feel sorry for. A lot of fans just have no, <laughs> just have no filter on Twitter. Um, and when Mendy's came in, I've just been going, going mad at the fact that they might actually have a goalkeeper who, it's a little bit more of a scratch, but um, and there's also far more to a keeper's game than penalty saves and shot stopping. Um, but these are often difficult to quantify. So if you think of areas such as like distribution, we talked about it talked about it earlier in terms of um, distributing to the wing to the wing backs to midfield players, and um, we talk about shot stopping, um, which is probably a lot easier to quantify than than the former catching, for example, punching stats. All these things are far less powerful, I think, than goals and assists when you put them in the frame. For Choosing awards just the Ballon d'Or, so you, you're trying to make a case for someone. I don't know if he's voted on, but you're making a case for someone as being the best in the world at his discipline or his sport. And you're comparing goals and assists with, say, you know, catching and shot stopping. It is it. It's very. It's, I think it gets overlooked personally, but it's very difficult to make that comparison when goals and assists are what win football games. So, Jordan, um, I'm going to run this by you. Let's do a what if scenario. I wish we had that like music that you know. They always do it when you okay. reveal something like in Scooby-Doo, but I can't imitate it. Um, <laughs> what if we gave keepers, right, 1.5 extra points per vote in Ballon d'Or voting? So, you know, every time a keeper gets a vote, it counts as like 1.5. It sounds like they'd always win it, but I don't know. I don't know what the voting, you talked about Neuer coming quite high up. I think Buffon did yeah. after the World Cup win in 2006. I wonder if they would just, if goalkeepers would just get the win every time. I've read a lot about how goalkeepers are just very individual yep. players and they train together, all the goalkeepers. They're very, almost very separate from the team. And so it almost, I almost feels like the, the award should almost be separate. The disciplines are so different to being a goalkeeper and being an outfield player. So I almost feel like a Ballon d'Or that encompasses the entire 11 just, isn't, just doesn't really make sense. And also I think having a Ballon d'Or that glorifies as one player as being the best in the world when even players like Messi and Ronaldo, we're not going to get in that debate because we haven't got, only got a few more minutes. But they're very different players still. And I think like to say that one person, and then American sports love glorifying single players, to say that one person is the best in the world, when one can be a goalkeeper, one could be a fullback or a centre-back like Van Dijk. And even if they're attackers, they could be so different when you compare the likes of Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe, Neymar. 
like we're seeing them the best in the world, glorifying them, should we be doing that anyway? Oh, that is a that's a deep question. I think it is badly skewed the award system. There are many fantastic greats in the game def- defenders that don't get the honours that they should do, um, which maybe a different award system would be good for. You do have the you do have the individual. You have the, obviously the, it's called the Lev Yashin Awards now, isn't it? The uh, yeah the goalkeeping award, and um, you do have the individual like positions. Obviously, at the world eleven, perhaps that is good enough for someone like Allison to win that. That's all from us. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Wire Football podcast. Please don't forget to follow us at wirefootball underscore. Please also follow and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Acast for immediate, immediate access to future episodes. Cheers, guys. Cheers.